<laughs> Good morning. Um, so I'm going to put something up here for you. And um, it's a blessing. Because the people of God in the book of Ruth spoke blessings over each other. And so it's going to come up, I think, right here. But it says, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. Can you say it with me? Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And now because you are God's people, will you turn to the person next to you and will you say to each other that blessing? Ready? Go. Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. I love this because... Um, the more and more I looked at Ruth, the, the people of God spoke blessings all the time. And so I thought we'd start with a blessing. And so if I'm being really honest, um, I'm very nervous because I just want my kids up here. <laughs> so this is a little different for me. But um, I'll have you know that I did not grow up going to church. Um, I actually never heard the name Jesus until I was 16 years old. You see, I met a, I need to get my hair cut, and I met a hairdresser by the name of Jolena. I'm sure she's here somewhere, but she's my spiritual mama. And she began pouring God's truth and God's love into me. And at the same time, I was invited to that A&O house, and I began listening and hearing about God. And it was through praise and worship that I first experienced God's love. And so um, I'll tell you that when I was 16 years old, that was the first time I had ever met Jesus through Jolina and through the A&O. I started believing in him when I was about 19 or 20, and I started following Jesus when I was 22. And so it is my great pleasure to share the story of Ruth with you today because it is a big message and a short story. And I want you to know that Ruth is a picture of how God chose his church. Church, you are the bride of Christ. Ruth is a picture of you. She was not a Jew, like Howard said. She was not of those chosen race by God through Abraham. But because she loved her mother-in-law and she loved her God, she is a picture of the church, a vessel of honor. So please bow your hearts with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from it today. Show each one of us how to run into the arms of our Savior. Enlarge our hearts for you, God. Jesus, may we experience your deep affection. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill us to overflowing with the spirit of truth and the spirit of life, as you from the words in my mouth, so that we may receive your mercy, your love, and grace, walking in your freedom today. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, will y'all jump into God's word with me? If you have that Red Pew Bible, it's on page 282, or you can open your Bible app to the book of Ruth. Now, during this time, the judges were ruling, so that means there was no king right now, and people were mostly going their own way, okay? So there's spiritual confusion, compromise, a falling away, um, 
may sound like some of us and some, and some of what's going on in the world today a little bit. And there was a great famine in the land. So the famine and disease in the land was a natural byproduct of sin. It's a judgment imposed by people upon themselves through their disobedience. The Lord had previously warned that the land itself would turn against them if they were unfaithful to him. And in the book of Ruth, Elimelech took his wife Naomi and two sons, and they moved away from Bethlehem in Judah. They moved across the Jordan River, around the Dead Sea, to Moab. Now, Moab should make you feel really uncomfortable because it was a nation that violently opposed God and his people. And so I was trying to find in the Bible where Elimelech like looked to God or prayed to God, like, God, where do you want me to take my family? And I couldn't find it anywhere that he, that he prayed to him about where to go. And so they moved to Moab, and in Moab, Elimelech dies. The two sons marry Moabite women, in comes Ruth and Orpah, and they live there for 10 years. And then what felt impossibly difficult happened to them all. Both of the sons die. And so here are these women in a time where they cannot get jobs, they cannot provide for themselves at all, and they may be starving. They can't do anything. They don't know what to do. But Naomi hears that back from the country of Moab that back in the land of Bethlehem that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Now, I would love to just go off on this because this text, it's so rich, but Bethlehem means the house of bread uh, where Jesus was born. And you know in our prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is the bread of life. So she's going to go back to the land of Judah, and she sets out on her way with her daughters-in-law, and she says, you have to go back. You can't go with me. She said, I I can't provide for you. I'm going to starve. I'm going to die alone. I'm alone. Don't go with me. Where I go, I can't even provide a husband for you, according to their Leverett marriage. And she says, she urges them to go back to your own land, go back to your own families. But I love what Naomi does because she speaks a blessing over them because that's what God's people do. She says, may the Lord deal kindly with you and may the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. And they are all crying and they are weeping and she's kissing them their final but goodbye. You see, Naomi and Orpah loved uh, Naomi, Ruth and Orpah loved Naomi because she taught them about the God of Israel. She showed them who the one true God was, right? But Naomi here is empty. She's hopeless, saying she's unable to provide a husband for them according to the custom of this Leverett marriage. And Naomi is ready to be alone and she's ready to die alone. And she's speaking out of that great loss and pain and despair. And so all of them right here have experienced trauma and pain. And it appears there is nothing left for them. And so I want you to think right now, what in your life 
feels impossibly difficult right now, can you connect? I'll ask it again. What feels impossibly difficult in your life right now? I know for me, in the past years, I've experienced great loss on my side of the family. Um, We've had major trauma. Um, I've experienced two suicides on my side of the family. And I'll tell you, in the last three weeks, I have experienced deep pain and trauma from that side. I have several family members who are suffering from mental illness, addiction, alcoholism, and I've been through it, y'all. I needed to hear this book today. My uh, mentor, (laughs) she's right there, her name's Linda. I was telling her all this stuff and she was like, oh, you are like a cat walking on a hot tin roof. You are going through it. And I was like, I know. (laughs) She is so kind to spend time with me. But in my human nature, what I tend to do, I feel quite broken. And so I begin to look at the broken world, what's on the news, my hurting self, my hurting family. I take my eyes off and I start looking at what is so traumatic and broken in each and every one, in myself, in us. I'm not walking in freedom. I begin to lose my joy. I lose my peace. I forget who I am in Christ, and I forget who I belong to. And this is where Naomi is right now. And so... I want you to remember that blessing. Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. It's exactly what I needed to hear. That was what one of God's people told Ruth at the end, Ruth at the end of the book. And so we're going to come back to this in just a little bit. But I want you to jump into the word with me. I want you to look what Ruth speaks out loud over herself in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Will you read this with me? It says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts me from you. You see, God builds families where there are none with God's family, right? And so Ruth just took her first step into being a vessel of honor. She knew her past. She knew her land. She knew that familiar was empty. And she knew that God Yahweh. She used his name, Yahweh. If you look in that word, it's L-O-R-D, uppercase. I'm talking to you like I do kids. That means the great I am. It's his personal name. So Ruth knows the personal God here, and she trusts him. And so she has that loyal love that she's learned from Naomi, and she's giving that loyal love right back to her. And she says, I'm going where God's people go, right? And I thought about this. You know, we, uh, 
we measure, when we make decisions on like, what am I supposed to do next? Or what do I do today, God? Or, or am I, what am I supposed to do? Is this you or is this not of you? Do we ever do that? And we measure the yes in God or we measure the no in God. And I'm gonna get back to that in just a second, but I want you to think about that. Because I know some of my friends who've gone on a mission trip or gone anywhere or done anything, like when you start looking at like, if I say yes to this, oh, it's gonna be kind of scary. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen, right? If I say yes, we measure more on the yes. Like, oh, it's gonna be too risky. I'm not familiar with that. This is scary. Y'all, this is scary for me, right? But um, I want you to look at Orpa, because I think Orpa measured the yes, and she was like, and she never considered measuring the no to God. You know what Orpa did? Orpa, she goes back. She goes back to her land. She stays in Moab. And I think she's probably saying, I know this, this way is comfortable. I know these people. This is familiar. This is an easier way. And uh, it's more, I feel like I'm more in control over here. And so Orpa, she measured the yes way too much. She never measured the no. Because when you hear about what Orpa after that, you never hear about Orpa again. So you can kind of decide what that might mean. And so I just want you to think about that for just a second. Um, when we are presented to move in a direction, do we ask our Heavenly Father, who cares so deeply for you, is this direction towards you, God, or away from you? Because what I've learned is the most dangerous place to be is outside of the will of God. And so, Ruth chooses God, chooses God's people, Orpa doesn't. And um, I remember at the All Church Retreat, John Ortberg, when he spoke this over us, and all the kids were there too, it was wonderful. But he said, you know, we were not made to live in the anxieties of the past. We were not made to live in the fear of the future. Don't keep looking back at your mistakes or your past or, or all the hard and hurtful things. We're not made for that, y'all. But don't look to the future in fear. With God, it is now, one step at a time, with Him and in Him. So if you look at the past, you just look at the past with gratitude. You be thankful and look to the, fu look to the future with hope. He said, trusting God will be a test of your joyful confidence in him to walk as a vessel of honor. So I'm going to kind of go next with, here with um, back to Naomi and Ruth. They go together. And they're going back to Bethlehem and in the land of Judah. And Naomi tries to even change her name because she's so sad. She, she tries to change her name to bitterness. And because she is broken and hurting and focused on that hopeless, she is a lonely widow, a foreigner, orphan, has no idea how she's going to get bread, how she's going to survive. And so Ruth gets to work in the, in the land of Judah. 
and she finds a field to glean in, and it's harvest season, and the harvesters are bundling up the barley. If I had the kids with me, I'd just show you. They're bundling it up, and they're tying it all up, and whatever is left on the ground, well, the gleaners get to pick that, okay? So it's like the little bit that's left, and a gleaner is someone who's really poor, who's widowed, can't make means for themselves, and they're going, and they're picking up whatever is left to try to make a meal for, t- for the day, because they're probably starving, right? And so in comes Boaz. Now, I want you to know, as I was reading this, um, God showed me that he is at work in the everyday events, in the mundane of everything that we do. He's at work in the lives of his people, because he showed me that right there. In comes Boaz, y'all. If you haven't heard the name of Boaz, I heard it when Howard spoke it. You will fall in love with this man. Oh, my stars. He's amazing. He is kind. He is gentle. He speaks a blessing upon his employees. He does not waste his words. He is a godly man who lets the poor and the widowed and the foreigners glean in his field. Will you read with me Ruth chapter 2, verse 4, looking at verse 4. So they hear, I'm going to kind of back up a little bit. They, Boaz is actually a kinsman of Naomi's husband. That means he's a bloodline. He's in their family. Okay, and Ruth just so happens to go to Boaz's fields and starts gleaning. And I want you to hear what Boaz and how he speaks. If you look in four, my um, verse says, behold. Anytime you hear in the Bible the word behold, you have got to sit there and think Jesus is grabbing your face and saying, look close. I want you to see this, okay? So when I've learned that, when you hear and read that word behold, it says, now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, may the Lord be with you. And they said to him, the Lord bless you. This is how he talks to his people, his workers. Then Boaz said to his servants, who is in charge of the reaper, who's this young woman? He notices Naomi. He sees her, right? He takes notice of her. And his main guy that's in charge of all the reapers, he says, oh, the whole town's talking about her. Everybody's talking about her because she's a Moabite woman. And you know what she did? She left her God. She left her people to come be with our people. She stayed with Naomi. And so everybody knows about her. I want you to look at Ruth 2, 8 through 9 with me. It says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Do you hear what Boaz is saying to her? He's saying, stay close to me. Stay real close. And when you're thirsty, drink. I'll give you drink. Does it sound like someone you know? Are you hearing the connection a little bit? I want you to look at what Ruth does in verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, 
Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Do you see her posture? Because a vessel of honor has a posture like this, right? Humble, grateful, thankful. I love it so much. Y'all look at verse 12. I'm, I'm going to kind of go off just a little bit because you just got to hear his voice. Look at verse 12. It says, he's speaking to, to Ruth. He said, I've heard about you. Here's what he says. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord and God of Israel under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. He knows she took refuge in the one true God. He continues to say, and she says to him, she's like, you have comforted me. You have spoken so kindly to me. And then in 14, he comes and he invites her to have a meal together. If you look at 14, he says, come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar or the wine, whatever your version says. But she ate and she was satisfied and she even had leftovers. He's so kind to her and he's so gentle. And even after that, he tells his servants, he says, hey, when she gleans in that field, you pull out the good stuff and you leave it behind. Pull it out for her and you don't rebuke her. I'm gonna give her more than anything I can give, right? He takes care of his bride. I love it. And so the vessel of honor, I saw her posture, right? And she's so obedient to what he asks her to do. So as I kind of went through more of this book, I, I mean, I don't want to stop. I could read all of it here with you, but I'm going to run out of time if I do that. And so I, uh, I want you to know that in this, it's lots of dialogue. It's lots of talking. He's talking. She's ta they're talking to each other. And it, it showed me like, Lord, what does my posture look like? And God, have I been talking to you? What's my dialogue been like with my kinsman redeemer? Because that is what Boaz is. And so I was thinking about the kinsman redeemer. You know, um, <laughs> he's the only one that can deliver her and Naomi out of this poverty. The kinsman redeemer can buy back the land of the lost family members, and he can marry the wives of the lost family members. A kinsman redeemer. I remember a few of us. Blake, you're one of them. You're right there looking at me. Sorry, I pointed at you. <laughs> but I remember a few of us had studied this together on Wednesday night in Miss Shannon's class. And uh, in the King James Version, the, it describes Boaz as a mighty man of wealth. He looks like Jesus in his character, his strength. He's very kind, and he's so gentle and caring. And so I'm going to show you um, up here the quality of a kinsman redeemer according to the Levitical law at that time. It says this. It says, one, he has to be a blood relative. Y'all can see it right there. He, two, he has to be wealthy. He has to be willing. And once he requires the land and responsibilities, he has to be able to sustain it, right? 
And so because Boaz is such a great picture of Jesus, your kinsman redeemer, church, I want you to see what the scriptures say about your redeemer. In Galatians 4, 4 through 5, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as son. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Jesus is the son of God, born into the human race through Mary. He is your blood relative. John 3, 35 says this, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Everything the Father has, Jesus has. He is wealthy. And in Matthew, in Isaiah, and in John, he says, I will heal you. I will redeem you. I will come back for you. Oh, he's willing, y'all. Right? Hebrews 7.25 says this, He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And so what happens here is Naomi realizes, this is our kinsman redeemer. We're going to chase after him. We're going to pursue him, right? Because that's what a vessel of honor does, pursues your redeemer. And so she says, everything I tell you to do, do it. And you know what Naomi says? She's like, I'll do whatever you say. And Naomi, there's a picture of this where Naomi is laying at his feet. And if you can think of in the Bible where Martha and Mary, and Mary lays at his feet, there's so many types and shadows pointing to Jesus right here. I love it so much. I want you to look at 311. Listen to what the kinsman redeemer says to her. He says, after she pursues him, she asks him, hey, will you, will you be my kinsman redeemer? Today, that sounds like you saying, will you be the king of my heart? Here's what he says. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. And so I'm going along with that vessel of honor, her posture, right? She's so obedient, and she pursues her Redeemer, right? She does everything he says. Um, if I could, I, I'm running out of time. Boo. Sorry. <laughs> I, wish y'all were, I wish we were in a classroom. We have more time. But I'd love to go way deep into this, and I, I really can't. But I want you to take this, this book right here. Will you read it together with the Holy Spirit? Will you read it and hear what he says to you? Because I've only given you just a little scratch of the surface of how Jesus speaks. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Because at the end of the story, um, Boaz redeems her. He buys the land. He marries her because of her love and her obedience and hope and faith in God. And uh, she's in his family line, just like Howard spoke, right? And so I'm just going to end with this because I love reading the word so much. Last one, I promise. 413, will y'all jump over there for me? 413 says this. 
So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. May his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughters-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, became his nurse. And the neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse. He is the father of David, just like Pastor Howard pointed to. Such an amazing picture of Jesus and his bride. And so a vessel of honor says yes to God daily and stays close to God's people. A vessel of honor has a posture that God can use and walks in obedience to what he asks. A vessel of honor will pursue a relationship with him. Reaffirm your love to him. Faithful in your relationship with your Redeemer. You know, that yes is not a one-and-done thing. It's an everyday yes. You choose each day who you will serve, right? Every day. Um, in our small group at the All Church Retreat, this kid's probably here, but we, we, I had a group of kids, um, and we were having a small group, and um, this child said, how, Miss Kelly, how, how do I pursue being with God? How do I chase after him? And I was just, oh, out of the mouth of babes, y'all, your children, right? I love it so much because they're so hungry to know how to have that personal relationship with Jesus. And uh, I've heard my friend over here always say, you never arrive until you see his eyes. Your kinsman redeemer is coming back for y'all, and he's coming soon and very soon. Are you walking with him, right? And so I kind of want to deal with this right now. I want to show you something that I've, I've learned and that I've done myself. You know, when we take those things that seem really broken, we keep our focus on the broken world, those hard things, because I started with this, and I need to, we need to clean it, we need to fix it. Those things that seem impossibly difficult in your life right now, right? Those things that distract you from getting close to your Jesus. God has shown me a picture of how to do this. And, you know, I, I ask him to use my imagination, okay? And so I have great imagery of how he shows me things. And uh, I ask him every day, you show me, show me what this looks like. And so I want you to think about, like, okay, well, 4th of July is tomorrow. I've got to do this, 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 and this, right? And I want you to take it. Take that thing right there, like a piece of paper. All those little tasks and to-do lists like this. I want you to throw it. Except for Jesus isn't going to do that. You don't throw it away. Will you get Jesus close to you? Will you look at his face right now? Can you pull him in? And when you throw things to him... He's going to catch it, okay? And what he's going to do, he's going to put it behind him. He's going to say, hey, I've already got that. Will you just look at me? That's what he wants you to do, church. 
He wants you to seek his face. And so those really hopeless things in your life, the things that seem the most impossible, he showed me this. He was like, I know it hurts you. I know it hurts. He said, but you've got to hand them to me. And so I hand it gently because he knows it's gentle in my heart. And I hand it to him, which means you've got to get closer to him, right? And he puts it behind him. And he says, just look at my face. Will you make eye contact with me? He says, because I've hemmed you in. I go before you. I go beside you. I go behind you. And I lay my hands upon you. Can you seek my face? Will you just look to me? And so I'm going to do this. Use that. Use the cross. Close your eyes. Will you do this with me? Will you take those things that distract you from getting real close to your Redeemer and will you hand them over to him? Can you do that right now in your imagination? Can you look at his face? What does he look like? In Psalm 27, King David says this, One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, every day, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. When thou didst say, seek my face, my heart said to thee, thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. Can you see his face yet? I want you to imagine him sitting right in front of you, loving you, looking at him, and loving him. He's looking into the eyes of those who love him, right? So scripture says a million, million times more his heart beats for me. And I'm going to take this. Well, where did I put it? Right here. Um, I stole this out of my friend's office this morning. She doesn't know it, but I did. I want you, if you're kind of stuck in that broken, I just want to remind you who you are in Christ. It says um, God's word. Jenny Allen wrote this in her book called uh, Get Out of Your Head. And she wrote it to encourage her kids to know what he says about himself and what he says about you. And so if you want, you can close your eyes and just imagine him, keep him there right in front of your face and hear what your Redeemer says to you. He says, I am who I am. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and I am the last. I am light and in me, There is no darkness at all. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. 
I am he who blots out your transgressions. I will not remember your sins. To all who receive me, who believe in my name, I give you the right to become children of God. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? My spirit is within you. I will not leave you. I will equip you for every good work I've planned. I gave you a spirit, not a fear, but of power and love and self-control. I will build my church through you, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will comfort you as you wait. I will remind you that this is all real. I am on my way. My steadfast love endures forever. And in just a little while, I am coming, and I will take you to the place where I am. You will inherit the earth. You will be with me. I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and death will be no more. Behold, I am making all things new. My kingdom is coming. My will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so... He's a pretty great God, isn't he? Oh, he loves you so much. And so in 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22, says this, Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work, now flee from those youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so the most important thing you can have right now, you guys, is intimacy with God Almighty. That's why this whole book was written, is to draw you into him Are you in Christ? Because it's the only safe place to be in this world. Y'all pray with me. Lord God, it is a good day to walk in freedom with our Redeemer. Blessed is the Lord who has not left us without a Redeemer today. Now God, may the God of hope fill each and every one of us with joy and peace and believing that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen.